Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be with you again this morning. Appreciate the opportunity to come and share God's Word. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me, please, into the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 18, Revelation chapter 18, and we're going to read uh, from verse 1. That's Revelation chapter 18, and we're going to read from verse 1. We know the book of Revelation, a wonderful book, Revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, the opening chapter there, as you're turning to Revelation 18, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must come shortly to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. And this morning, as we turn to God's Word, Revelation chapter 18, the title of this message is, The Hour Has Come, The Hour Has Come has come. Let's pray. Father, this morning we ask as we read your precious word, as we preach, Lord, the unsearchable riches of Christ, Lord, we ask for your help, for your anointing, for the power of your Spirit, Lord, to come into this house, Lord, to move mightily in hearts, even in this room, Lord, heads that are bowed, those that are saved, those that are not saved, Oh, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would glorify your Son by the power of your Spirit in this house this morning. Lord, give help. Lord, we pray that every word that is spoken, Lord, will be spoken of thee, Lord, that you would anoint it. Lord, in everything we ask that the name of Jesus would be lifted up and glorified in this place today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Revelation chapter 18. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird." For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she has filled, filled to her double. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, I'm no widow, and shall see no sorrow. And therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death, mourning, famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her, and the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and live deliciously with her shall be wailer and lament for her, when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off, for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. The hour has come. 
The hour has come. In Isaiah chapter 21, there's a cry that comes. A cry that cries out, Watchman, watchman, what of the night? What of the night? And the, the watchman replies and says, The morning is coming, but so is the night. Bless God this morning, we know that there's a wonderful morning coming. There's a wonderful morning coming on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise. What a morning that's going to be. But before the morning comes, there's the night. There's the night. It speaks here in this great chapter of a severe judgment that comes, a collapse, a ruin, a fall of a city called Babylon. In one hour, in one hour, it's referenced three times in this chapter. You'll also find it in verse 10 and verse 17. In one hour, in one hour, so great riches come to nothing. For in one hour, in verse 19, she is made desolate. This great city, this rich city, in an hour, in a moment of time, in a season of time, it is left in absolute ruin. You know, as we work our way through just a few points in this chapter, the openness, I want to encourage you this morning that the saints of God, and those even that are not saved in this meeting, will have an appreciation and see that our world is changing and changing fast, dramatic. We're living in the last of the last days, that is for sure. Anyone who's saved will understand these things. But we understand that there is an hour that's coming. It's vital, the important, to, to know the time that we're in. Babylon, I believe, represents the entire political, economical system that we're looking at currently. It is an antichrist system at its very core. It is against Christ and those that are of the followers of Him. You also must remember that it is not something of the flesh and the blood, that we're not against the people that are in government and so forth. It is the spirit that is behind these uh, apparatuses that have been built in these days. The Bible tells us it's the dragon that gives his power onto the beast. It's a spiritually inspired system. It is God that it permits it for a time. And Babylon represents this entire world system that has risen up in these last days. Even in the space of a generation, dramatic change. Even in our own nation, dramatic change. We cannot underestimate the change of what has taken place even in recent years. Dramatic change. There are many here that are old enough to have lived through at least one generation and have seen a dramatic change in this province. A dramatic change in the spiritual climate where once there was a reverence, there was a respect even from those that were ungodly for the things of God, but there's been a dramatic change. And friends, this morning we must know that we are rapidly approaching the very end of all things. God is in control of all things. He is seated on the throne. He is far above all. He is permitting all to happen. And the judgments of God are being executed across our nation. And here we see in verse 2 that this city, this system becomes a habitation of devils. A dwelling place for the demonic. Hell has opened her mouth and she has spewed out every vile spirit upon the face of the planet. 
And it's a spiritual war that we are engaged in. This place becomes a living place, a dwelling place of devils. I want to tell you, friends, that's not just for the darkest of Africa or the darkest of India. That's right in this nation. On the doorsteps, in the schoolhouses, in the workplaces, in the governmental buildings, it's become a habitation of devils. The hold, that is the prison house of every foul spirit, a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. There is a demonic outpouring of spiritual forces and powers. Thank God this morning, when the enemy does come in like a flood, that the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them. Thank God that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, not loving their lives unto death. Thank God for the blood this morning. And so we see arise a spiritual warfare, an outpouring of demonic power. The nations, verse 3 says, are partakers of her fornication. The nations are together. Verse 4 says, there's a cry that comes from heaven. I, I believe that every saint of God that's walking close to Him are hearing this cry. Verse 4 says, there's a cry comes from heaven for the saints to come out of her. Separate yourself from this system. This wicked system, come out from amongst them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. There's a cry that comes from heaven. Friends, I want to tell you we must feel the tug of heaven on our hearts to come out. It says, be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not her plagues. I know we're well versed on the sins and the wickedness and the evil that is being spewed out on our nation and our streets and amongst our young. But the rise of her sins even reaches the very heavens. The mystery of iniquity, the spirit of lawlessness, the restraint is being lifted, the murder of the innocent, the hands that shed innocent blood, the militant indoctrination, militant indoctrination of our children. Mr. Spurgeon says it will be a time when our education system, our schools, will be more like the gates of hell. I believe what he said has come to pass in our day. Rather than a place for them to be nourished, developed, and educated, we'll see it become a place where it's a habitation of devils. Indoctrinating our children with lies, damnable heresies, rampant immorality, a nation that hates God, and how she glorifies herself, verse 7. How she glorifies herself in her pride and in her arrogance. And God says in verse 8, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day. Therefore her plagues will come in a day. Death, mourning, famine, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Friends, I want to tell you, I know that you know it well here. We have entered into a season where God, the judgments of God have begun in this nation. A nation that does forget God will be turned into hell. And God is beginning to bring a heavy judgment upon this land. It's only the beginning. In one hour, in one hour, in chapter 18, mentioned three times in one hour, this is a phrase that is often in Scripture to note a critical moment, a, a crisis moment, and sometimes a glorious moment, 
but a defining moment. I want to say to you, friends, this morning that we are in a crisis moment. We, we are in a defining moment in the history of mankind. We are in a defining moment in the history of the people of faith. We, we are in a critical moment of time. I, I want to stress this this morning. I felt this heavy on my own heart to bring this message. We are in a crisis moment. The hour has come. There is an hour that is upon this nation. There is an hour upon us as a generation. This is a critical moment in time. We understand in those times that it's important for the people of God to get close to God, to get shut in with God, to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. What is He saying into our hearts? What is God revealing as He reveals the eternal purposes of God into each and every life for those that have an ear that can hear? Not everyone that has ears hear. But those that are tuned in to the Spirit of God and the voice of God, there's a voice that's speaking in this hour to reveal to us the eternal purposes of God. Today, God's eternal purpose is unfolding before us. This is a vital hour, an hour, a critical one. And you must know what God is, His eternal purpose is. Even as we gather here this morning This is not some coincidence or some man-made effort to come together. This is a gathering according to the eternal purpose of Almighty God. I wonder when you got up this morning to get ready to come to the house of God and prepare your heart and to enter in through those doors, did you realize that what you're actually doing is you're aligning yourselves with the eternal purpose of the Almighty? Now we're here this morning not just as some group of people just pulled together just for a Sunday morning service, but we're here as the body of Christ meeting as Christ is our living head. We're here this morning as the people, the church of of Jesus Christ, the called out, the separated, the ecclesia, the blood-washed, the spirit-filled, connected to a living head as members of the body of Christ. This is the eternal purpose of God. If we could get the blinkers off and maybe the religious mindset to realize our purpose as we gather together this morning. To realize as the anointing as it came upon the head of Jesus as He is our living head but the Spirit of God and the anointing oil would flow from the living head right down into every member in this place this morning of the body of Christ. To touch every life, to heal every body, to set every prisoner free. The anointing destroys the yoke. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8, Paul writes, he says, I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath he hid, has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says this, listen carefully, to the intent that now on the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, that's you and I, the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's amazing. Now we are called here according to the eternal purpose of God this morning. 
to bring forth the manifold wisdom of God. This was a mystery hidden God. And God has saved you for this time, brought you into the kingdom for this time, brought you into the body of Christ for this time, according to the eternal purpose of God, to reveal to what? To principalities and powers. You know, friends, this morning in the heavenlies, there's a great warfare going on. Christ, the mighty victor, has overcome. Thank God we think of the servant all those years ago. His eyes were closed. And as the prophet, as he looked up and he seen the enemies come in against the people of God, and the prophet prayed that he would open his eyes, and he seen all of the chariots of God round about him. Think about it of the hosts of angels and all the powers of hell engaged in a great warfare today. And we as the church of the living God, overcomers in Christ, gathered together here in His name according to His eternal purpose. What's His eternal purpose? Here we see it, friends. This is many times over in the history of the people of faith. We can say of them that the hour had come. The hour had come. And when you look at the patterns and the principles and the examples of those Ours that have come in history past, I believe we can draw, we can draw from them, we can, we can learn from them, we can see in them that it is time, even in this day, that we can see we can stand, we can stand by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Ghost against all that's about to happen. There's a few things I believe is important, three things I believe it's important to remember. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn over to these for a moment. But it's so important as we're heading in, I believe, to the last run, as it were. In Matthew chapter 16 and 18, this is some things that we must remember, must stand on, must hold to in the days that are going to unfold before us. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 18, you'll know the verse well, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, upon this rock I build my church. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Would you say amen if you believe that this morning? Jesus said, despite everything that's happening, despite the culture, despite the change, despite the rise of this antichrist system, despite everything that's unfolding in our day, Jesus said, Jesus said it, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I tell you, brothers and sisters, it's wonderful to know that this morning. Despite all the apostasy, the deception, false teachers, false prophets, despite all the damnable heresies and doctrines of devils, despite all that's taken place even in the last couple of years, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's wonderful this morning to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. Secondly, Matthew chapter 28, if you turn over please, Matthew chapter 28, in verse 18 to 20, reads these words again, you know them well, but I believe we need to hold on to the promises of God. Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Praise the Lord this morning. All power is given unto Him. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And here's a promise. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Here's a second promise. He's going to be with us right to the very end. He's going to build it, and He's going to be with us. Praise the Lord this morning. He will not forsake us. He's going to be with us to the end. The third thing that I believe it's vital for us to know in this tremendous change, and I want to touch on that in a moment, but there's going to be tremendous change in a very short space of time. We must know, if you go back into Daniel chapter 2 this morning, that He is in control of all things. In Daniel chapter 2, if you turn back, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 20, Daniel said these things, Daniel 2 and verse 20, if you turn back into it, he said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His, and He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and the secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with Him. Very important to know in the change that's taken place in our nation and in these times, the kings, kingdoms, queens, empires, nations, they're all in His hand. He is the one that changes. He is the one that setteth. He is the one that removeth. Everything is under His mighty hand according to His eternal purpose. His eternal purpose manifests itself in time. What He has purposed in eternity is manifested in time. When we look at the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, Several times in his ministry, he talked about the hour, the hour that would come. He said in John 12, 23, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. We know according to the Scriptures that he is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But then the Bible tells us in the fullness of time, in Galatians 4 and 4, in the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. His eternal purpose and eternity manifested in time in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. We see the eternal purpose revealed in Scripture. And then it's manifested in time. It comes to pass. What He has said will happen will happen. Every word that has been prophesied in this book will be fulfilled. And the wonderful thing is, much of it is being fulfilled in our generation. It is a remarkable thing. When I was a boy, I heard of men, and they would teach on, on prophecy and end times. And I thought that was a time that would never happen in my lifetime. Now I'm living in those days that those men used to teach us of. We are now living in the fulfillment of the prophetic. The eternal purpose of God is becoming a reality in our everyday lives. 
The, re- the sad thing of this is that there are most, even in the church, are asleep while this is happening. Most are fast asleep, going through life, doing what they need to do, but not awakened to the eternal purpose of God. There are young men and young women in this room this morning. You're not even saved. And you understand some of these things and you haven't aligned yourself through repentance and faith in Christ to the eternal purpose of God for your life. It is the most exciting day to be young even though we know that the enemy is trying to completely destroy our young generation. But this is the day that God wants people, men and women, young and old, to align themselves to His eternal purpose. What looks as though it's been years or decades, or even centuries in the making is defined by a moment. This moment this morning in time, I've come to realize there are no coincidences. I've come to realize this is not by accident. This is not something that has been orchestrated by man. I've come to realize that God is in control of everything. That this very meeting this morning, God knew exactly who would be here and who wouldn't be here. God knew exactly who would walk through those doors. God's purpose is in this room, in your life and for my life. This hour often precedes in Scripture and in history. It has preceded with great change. Changes begin to happen. Why? Because God has orchestrated it and ordered it according to His Word. Sometimes it can take hundreds of years even to come to fulfillment, but if you take a moment in Scripture and you look back, you'll see the mighty hand of God at work through every generation and every culture for one purpose, and that's the glory of His Son. You'll see kingdoms fall. You'll see Israel under judgment. You'll see kingdoms rise. And in those moments of time that we are on one at the minute, we are on the crest of a great hour. In those moments of time, People grasped the eternal purpose of God. They were frail, they were weak, they were often abandoned and they were in, 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 in far lands, but suddenly in their hearts there was a conviction. Old time Holy Ghost conviction. Something grasped the heart. Something got into a young tender heart and somehow or another not in their own strength. But by the grace of God, young men and young women would stand up with the conviction of the Holy Ghost and simply say, having done all, I'm going to stand. And when God seen them stand, just for that moment in time as they grasped the eternal purpose of God, the great grace of God was upon them and the God of heaven came down. The power of the Holy Ghost would fill their lives and give them the ability because they made a choice. To follow Jesus. We see a man in Genesis chapter 6, a great change of wickedness. We know the story very well. It's very like the day in which we're living. Every imagination of his thoughts, of his heart, were only evil continually. That's what we're living in. And God repented. The Lord repented that he had made man on the earth. It grieved God. God's grieved, brothers and sisters. God's grieved with the wickedness of man in this hour. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 7, by faith Noah, listen to these words, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. He had the ability through faith to be able to see. Faith enables us to see 
to be able to have a revelation through the Word of God of the things that are unfolding. As we open the pages and the Holy Ghost illuminates the page into our hearts, we can see this morning beyond the politics, beyond the protocol, beyond what's happening in Downing Street, beyond what's happening in the nations of the world, we can see things are unfolding according to His plan. And Noah's seen. He was warned of God. The eternal purposes of God were revealed into his heart by the Spirit of God. And here's a man that was moved with fear. He knew, he understood the times. Do you understand the day we're in? Do you realize the lateness of the hour? Do you realize that Christ is about to come? Do you realize the prophetic calendar is near at the end? That Jesus is coming soon? And so many are coming to church, but they're not saved. You might be in this building this morning, but are you in Christ? Are you just coming to service after service, but you're not saved, you're not ready, you're not born of the Spirit, you haven't repented of your sin, and you can see some of these things happening. Noah was warned, friends, this morning, I want to take the opportunity with the love of God in my heart to tell you and to warn you if you're not saved, it's time to get ready with, to get right with God and to get ready. And so he was moved with fear. He was moved. And he prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I'm going to tell you, friends, faith without works is dead. Not faith not works to try and get saved. We're not for that. We know it's by grace alone. But see, a faith, if a man says, I have faith, and there's no evidence of that faith in his life, there's no works. We hear of prayer meetings. We hear of outreaches. We hear of things as the kingdom is being expanded and going forward here. And the blessing of the Lord is upon this work. I want to tell you, friends, if I have faith this morning, there's the obedience of faith. Here's a man, and they mocked him. They scoffed at him. Here's a man that knew and he was moved because he could see. You think of those boys. We often refer to them. We're taught these, about these three Hebrew boys from a Sunday school age right up. We're taught of their story. We know it well. We sing their songs. But we see there was a time, and you think of this, the eternal purposes of God were constantly at work. When Babylon was raised up again, we're referring to that system, that system that rises in the last days, but we see it in the old as it rose up and God would use Babylon to bring judgment upon Israel. Then we see this huge image that Nebuchadnezzar would raise up. Then we find the orchestra is ready to play. Can I tell you, friends, this is an an orchestrated movement in these days. It's inspired of hell itself. It's demon-driven. It's off the dragon itself. And then we see the orchestra is ready to play. And there's three boys in the midst of that that are going to grasp the eternal purpose of God. You see, any old dead fish can go with a flow. But here's three young men that were going to grasp the eternal purpose and stand in that evil day. And I ask you, friend, will you stand in the evil day? Think of Esther, we see it all. How God was bringing about the eternal purpose of God as kingdoms were raised up and kingdoms were dropped down. And you know, it was all for that moment in time. 
When Haman, that type of the Antichrist, was wanting everyone to buy. You see, that beast is wanting everyone to buy into it. But those names that are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, praise the Lord, we're not buying. No, we're not buying. As your name in the Lamb's Book of Life this morning, praise the Lord, written with the blood of Jesus Christ, we're not buying. Mordecai sat at the gate and he wouldn't buy. But there's a young girl, you see, There's a young girl by the providential hand of God has found herself in the queen's chamber. It's remarkable. All the purposes and the hand of God in that life. And there she sits. And Mordecai sends the message through to her. Says to her, Think not that thyself shall escape the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, there shall enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thy and thy father's house will be destroyed. Who knoweth that thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I tell you, friends, what an hour we are in. Nestor bid them return to Mordecai and say, Go gather together all the Jews that are present at Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink these days. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. So will I go into the king which is not according to the law. But this is what she said. She said, if I perish, you know it, I'll perish. Listen, friend, this morning, maybe there's a young lady in this room and you're not saved. You're not living for God. You're here this morning, but I want to tell you with all the love of God in my heart, God's got an eternal purpose for your life and it's all found in the person of Jesus Christ. You may be sitting and you may be comfortable and you might have all the, all the things of this world, but I'm going to tell you where it's, it's all about the change. It's all about the change. And so we're presently in one of those moments of time, the pressure and the spiritual pressure is for the church of Jesus Christ in this province to buy into the system that's rising up before us. The pressure has only begun. I want you to hear me this morning. The pressure has only begun. The pressure is going to increase. The heat is going to be turned up. We've been in a trial run in some ways for the last couple of years, but I believe passionately and in my spirit, I believe this is from the Lord, that the pressure is going to increase. Great change. We've already seen great change, but we're about to witness even greater change. We stand on the verge of one of those moments. If you hear nothing else this morning, I pray that you'll hear these few words. We stand on the verge of one of those great moments in history. I believe that this morning in one of those great moments of the history of the people of faith. We're on the verge of tremendous change in the nations. Many would say, well, we've already seen the change, but friends, I want to tell you, it's about the change again. The judgments of God have only begun. We cannot escape the reality of a nation that is willing to murder millions of babies. We cannot escape that judgment. They may call it health care. I want to tell you what it is this morning. It's murder. We cannot escape this, friends. We cannot escape changing the laws of God, making His laws void. We cannot escape rejecting God We cannot escape turning our schools into a complete circus. 
We cannot escape these things. The judgments of God are coming. This is not just a doom and gloom message because I know that God will cause His church to stand. Jesus said to Simon Peter that Satan has desired to have you, even to sift you as wheat. But praise God this morning, He said, I prayed for you that your faith is not going to fail. Thank God there's one in the glory to whoever liveth to make intercession for us this morning. But friends, I want to tell you, a great change is coming. In Psalm 94 it says, The Lord will not cast off His people, neither will He forsake His inheritance, but judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. And then He says this, Who will rise up for me against evildoers? He says, Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Who will? I realize we're about to enter a time or a season or a period, I believe it's an hour, where there's going to be tremendous change. Saints of God, it's time to get close with God. Brothers and sisters, it's time to get to, get to the place of prayer. It's time to get the closet door open and get shut in with God. It's time to get serious with God. Those prophets would come to Israel and bring the warnings of God and the pleadings of God and they rejected them. They mocked them. They laughed at them. They stoned them. They put them in dungeons. They thought they were crazy men. But they brought the heart of God and the message of God. The cry of the heart of God is, My people, come out of her. Don't be a partaker of her sins. God's calling His people to come out, to be separate, to live a holy life for God, to live for Christ. No greater life that you can live today than to live for Jesus. But great change is coming. Great change is coming. This should bring us to our knees. It should bring us to a time where we begin to cry out to God the more until God moves by the power of His Spirit and breathes upon His church and raises her up to stand in the wicked day. We're not going to do this by our own strength. The arm of flesh is going to fail us. All the apparatus of religion and Saul's armor will not do it in this day, friends. All the religion in the world, the devil promotes religion, is not going to stand in this day. We can't have a name that we live, but we're dead. We need the power of God to fill us again. We need heaven open. We need the Holy Ghost to move in our hearts. We need men and women that preach the gospel under the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God. We need to stand in the schoolhouse and stand in the workplace and stand in the streets and stand in the shopping centers, not in our own strength and our own power, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. When God sees maybe feeble knees or weak knees, maybe sore knees and sore backs and frail people, but by the convicting power of the Holy Ghost in their heart, they just say, I'm going to stand. I want to tell you all of heaven stands with you. All of heaven stands with you when young people stand in the schoolhouse and say, I'll not buy, I'll not move, I'm going to stand for Jesus. There may not be one other person in that form stand with you, young people, but all of heaven stands with you. All of heaven stands with you. When you stand in that workplace and all those laws are being passed, and all the changes of names and the pronouns and everything, and you say, I'm going to stand for Jesus. I believe in this book that God created a man and God created a woman. I'm going to tell you, friends, all of heaven stands with you. All of glory's with you. If God be for us, who can be against us? 
We're going to be tested in our faith. The trial of our faith. When the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith. Faith on this earth. We're going to be tested. I tell you, friends, it's time for us to stand with a conviction in our hearts. Could we stand? You know, in Luke chapter 15, it's a wonderful parable. It's a parable we know well. We often preach it. We preach it as a gospel message. We preach it to the backslider. We preach it for those that come home. But just a few months ago, I'm coming to a close with this. But a few months ago, the Lord brought me back to this parable. I've been here many times, preached it many times. But the Lord showed me some things I feel that I need to share them this morning. We know it's a man that had two sons. And the younger of them, the prodigal son, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that faileth to me, falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. Not many days after that, the younger son, he gathered all together, took his journey into a far country. He's the prodigal son. He wasted his substance with riotous living. I want to tell you, friends, we're living in a prodigal nation. We're living in a prodigal nation. Three things happen to the prodigal that I believe the Lord has pressed in my own spirit. And I believe it ties with Revelation chapter 18 also. Three things happen when this young man had turned away from God, turned away from the Father, and went his own way. In verse 14 it says, and when he had spent all, first thing is financial ruin. I want to tell you, friends, you don't need to be an economist to work all this out, but this nation has spent everything. We're going to see the great fall of this system. We'll see it in our lifetime, the collapse. We'll see it in our lifetime. The apparatus is there. The systems are there. I'm not going to go into all the details and the what's and the why-fors, but the entire system was already in place. I used to think, Brother Bertie, when I was a kid, I heard preachers talk about a day when there'd be no cash. Everything would be gone. I used to think that's impossible. I could never grasp that that could ever happen. Could I tell you, friends, the entire apparatus for it is already sitting ready to go. Babylon. Not only was there financial ruin, but then there was a, it says there was a mighty famine. I want to tell you, friends, we have a famine in this land. And it's a famine of the hearing of the Word of God. What a famine this is. Though there might be food shortages, there might be things that happen, there might be shortages down the line, I don't know, but listen... See the famine of the hearing of the Word of God. Never a worse famine a country can experience. Do you want to know why? See, when there's a famine that speaks of a dryness, let me tell you something what the Bible tells us. The demons love the dry place. The demons love the dry place. 
Not only that, but friends, then we see him joining himself with the citizen of that country. He loses his freedoms. I tell you what, we're on the verge. I'm so thankful for many ministries that are raised up in this day to stand for the Christian cause. But we are on the verge of losing the freedoms that have been given us in the laws of this land to preach the gospel in the highways and the byways, to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Could I tell you the pendulum is swinging hard and fast against the church of Jesus Christ. What's coming, friends? I've said this from our own platform and our own pulpit, but men of God are going to pay for preaching the gospel by being imprisoned in this country. We're on the verge. And what I would say in all of this, Lord, may your people get into a new place with God. You see, a false profession is not going to see you through. Religious going to church is not going to see you through. But a walk with God, being filled with the Holy Ghost, and coming together as the saints of God and calling on the name of the Lord, let me tell you, friends, that's going to carry us through right to the end until he comes. Can I tell you as we close, there's no crisis in heaven. There's no credit crunch in heaven. Praise the Lord, there's no restrictions in heaven. Thank God this morning they may change the laws, take away the natural freedoms, but praise God this morning, he whom the Son sets free, he's free indeed. Let me ask you, friend, this morning, will you stand? Will you stand? By the grace of God, will you stand? Let me ask young people this morning, particularly because I believe it's your generation, more than any other generation that we have seen, your generation is facing the absolute onslaught of hell itself. But I want to tell you, God's looking men and women like Esther, those three Hebrew boys, they're going to give their lives to Christ and going to be sold out for him. And they're going to say, I'm going to stand for Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning, you've walked into this room, you're not even saved. You're sitting in these pews, you don't know the Lord as your own personal Savior. And the eternal purpose of God is, is in this room this morning to save your precious soul, to raise you up as a voice and a light in a very dark place to stand for Jesus in these last days. Oh God, help us to stand. You want to get right with God this morning before you leave this place? I know you can talk to Brother Birdie or any of the men, but I encourage you. Saints of God, it's time to get close into God. It's time to call on God. We're at a critical hour, a crisis hour, but praise the Lord, he's on the throne. Let's pray this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God, we ask for the weight of your presence, for the dealings of God, for the searchings, of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask this morning as we bow our heads in your presence, you know every one of us. You know our hearts, you know our feelings, you know our weaknesses. 
Lord, we're asking, Lord, for the great grace and the great power of God, Lord, to cause your people to stand in the evil day. Lord, would you bless this work, your work here. May the fresh anointing and power of God be upon Brother Bertie and the men, Lord, in this place. Oh, God, we ask. Lord, continue to use it mightily as you have done in these days for your name's sake and your glory. And Lord, if there's one, one young man in this gathering, one young woman here this morning, the Spirit of God speaking to your heart to get saved, to repent and get right with God, to stand in this day for Jesus. Lord, I pray that the Holy Ghost would bring heavy conviction upon them. Give them the grace to respond and the gift of repentance. Raise them up as a trophy of grace for you, Lord. Lord, we ask this morning, would you move in this house? Glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray.